Welcome back to BeYoungMinistry.com, to another blog and to another podcast. Welcome to those who access the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Rumble, Spotify, and YouTube. Today we continue in our study of the book of Genesis. We're in chapter 22, verses 20 through 24, which reads, Now it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Indeed, Milcah also has borne children to your brother Nahor. Huz, his firstborn, Buzz, his brother, Kenuel, of the father of Aram, Chesed, Hazo, Pildash, Jidlaf, and Bethuel. And Bethuel begat Rebekah. These eight Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother, his concubine, whose name was Rumah, also bore Teba, Gaham, Thahash, and Macha. That's Genesis chapter 22, verses 20 through 24. Today we conclude our study of Genesis 22, where God has told Abraham to lead his son Isaac up Mount Moriah, with the purpose of sacrificing him unto the Lord. Of course, as the story unfolded, the Lord himself at the last minute told Abraham to not sacrifice his son. Although Abraham did not physically sacrifice his son, he did so in his heart. And then God provided for Abraham a ram stuck in the briars. That stuck ram then became the burnt offering. The Hebrew word translated burnt offering literally means to ascend. The smoke from the sacrifice ascended to God as a soothing aroma to the Lord. The burnt offering was the complete destruction of the animal in an effort to renew sinful man's relationship with the holy God. The animal had to die, as the Lord Jesus had to die, because only life overcomes death. Today's passage begins with the fact that 137-year-old Abraham had a sister-in-law, Milcah, who became a mother to eight boys. In addition, Nahor had a concubine named Rumah, and she had borne him another four sons. But then there was one more piece of news, seemingly insignificant. A daughter was mentioned. Abraham's youngest nephew, Bethuel, had a daughter named Rebekah. Abraham had long learned that God is most often discovered in the seeming insignificant details of a story. I'm sure at that moment, Abraham's thoughts were captivated by the possibilities for his son. One single piece of information can change one's life forever. This tucked away and seemingly insignificant little bit of information was given because God's narrative always includes the insignificant of this world. 
And since there was about to be a transition in the narrative, this information was key to the development of the story. This information was included as a seeming afterthought, so as to show that Isaac was indeed the promised seed, for in just two chapters, Isaac will be married to Rebekah, who was Isaac's second cousin. I am also sure that through the years, Abraham and Sarah actively looked for a wife for their son because he had to marry in order to pass on the seed through the line. So after Abraham learned of Rebekah, he sent for his leading servant the next day and organized something then and there to make some contact with his brother and his nephew Bethuel to talk about Rebekah. Interestingly, the name of Abraham's servant isn't even given. Abraham provides for us a picture of God the Father, while Isaac provides for us a picture of God the Son. And the servant provides for us a picture of God, the Holy Spirit. God had made a promise to 75-year-old Abraham and 65-year-old Sarah that they would have a son and through him have innumerable descendants. God kept them waiting for 25 years before giving them Isaac. And then, 15 or so years later, God tested Abraham as to whom he feared and loved and obeyed more than any other. And do you know what? Abraham passed that test. Now, 25 years later, Isaac was not married, and he had no children, and he was not getting any younger. This just underscores the utter value of our faith in the Lord. When we are in the habit of giving our hearts to God fully, we can trust that he is looking farther ahead than we are. In fact, God was already taking care, not only of Abraham's future needs, but also of the needs of Abraham's son. Through the years, Abraham had learned the utter value of waiting on God to bring about his plan. To his credit here, Abraham did not interfere and disrupt the plan of God. Abraham had learned that his faith had to be in the Lord. He believed that God was in control of the whole situation. In that moment that Abraham and Sarah learned of the news of his brother and his brother's children and grandchildren, he and Sarah went to praying for the will of the sovereign God to be fulfilled in the life of their son Isaac. For Abraham, it was also shocking and yet fascinating after so many years of silence from God. When we believe in the God of providence, we will have providences to believe in. The doctrine of providence expresses the fact that the world and our lives are not ruled by chance or by fate, but by the God who reveals the purpose of his providence through the work of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, on the cross of Calvary. Many perhaps thought that the information shared with Abraham and Sarah that day was a coincidence. But for this man and woman of faith, 
Behind all the coincidences of life is the God who is bigger than any of us can imagine. While most who believe in God believe he controls the world simply in the most general of ways, people with resurrected faith, such as Abraham, know the God of the details, is involved in all the details of our lives. Through the writer of Genesis, we see that God places importance in people and in the names and in their specific place where they live and the genealogy that they are found in. Each of us has a part to play in God's plan throughout the ages. Each of us will have a history, but where will that history lead others? Where will our story with God lead others? To Him? Or will it lead them away from Him? My friends, I trust this blog and this podcast are helping you in your walk with the Lord. If I can be of further assistance to you, shoot me an email at beyoungministry at gmail.com. Hey, have a great day. Yeah.